Abel. And Abel was a keeper of flocks, and Cain was a tiller of the ground. Abel, on his part, also brought, excuse me, verse 3, so it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground, and Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord God had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain became very angry, and his countenance fell. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you. Its desire is against you. But you must master it. And Cain told Abel his brother, and it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. So you're wondering, wow, that's an unusual text to, to think about what it means to love and care for people. Watch what happens. And I'm going to ask you a question, so I want you to get ready. I want to ask you the question, why did God have no regard for Cain's offering, and yet God had regard for Abel's? So get ready to answer that one, okay? A couple of things I want you to see. This is actually uh, kind of a formal reference, uh, Randy, to the first worship service in Scripture. This is the first reference to someone worshiping God with the idea of bringing something on behalf of God or bringing something to kind of let God know that we love him, we appreciate him, we honor his authority. This is the first time it's recorded, and it doesn't go well. (laughs) The first worship service, there's lots of stuff revealed. In the course of time, Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. He was a tiller of the ground, so he brought something of his crops. But Abel, on his part, brought of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel's offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. By the way, this is the first historical reference to pouting in the Bible. And it's a man that's pouting. You're chuckling because you understand men have a high capacity for anger and pouting, all right? When a man gets angry and doesn't get his way, Frank, you're grinning. Pouting is the appropriate response, right? And it's a way of signaling uh, to try to get some attention, you know. And if, if you go up to your husband and you say, hi, honey, what's wrong? And he goes, nothing. And he's pouting, then, then you know. There's some kind of unmet need, and he's angry. And pouting is the appropriate signal to give off, to hope, hoping somebody would, would notice. Uh, is that passive-aggressive? Frank, what do you think? Is it a little passive-aggressive? But maybe just a little bit. Okay. It's fascinating that, you know, where did he learn to do that? Hmm. Maybe Dad had a chip on his shoulder. After all, that woman that God gave him. Poor Adam. Bless his heart. 
Thank you for chuckling. That was really meant to be funny. I, I appreciate that. You guys got to loosen up. All right, you ready for your pop quiz? Why did God have regard for Abel's offering but not for Cain's? Why? Abel gave his best, okay. Okay. Very good. Kind of common sense reading somebody else. Why did God accept it? Yeah, correct. Beautiful. Someone else. Why did God have regard for Abel's but not Cain's? Andrew. Why is it the Yes, no. Just to tack on to that. How's that a cool name? Noah's here. This is really great. <laughs> Just to tack on to that, it's like it's not clearly stated, but God immediately follows it up with a a gentle but hey, you can't let sin rule over your life response. And so it seems Interesting. like he has some sin that he's he's not repenting of, like Abel was <clears throat> repenting, he's offering this gift but still letting that sin rule his life. Okay, okay, good. says that Abel gave the firstborn. He sacrificed the firstborn. He gave, you know, very beginning, um, best of what he had. Whereas Cain, he brought from what he produced, yeah. but it didn't say he brought the first of what he produced. Mm-hmm. That's good. Good job. Yes, along the same lines, Abel's gift is given out of love. It's a best of God. Cain's just doing what he has to do. Okay. Okay. Uh, you have all answered very well. <laughs> Andrea is on to something. There's a mystery. When you, when you begin to wrestle with Genesis, there's a lot of mystery. There's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of data we just don't have. All right. But watch this. Uh, Greg, you're on to something. In Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve sinned. There was a lot of blaming going on. Uh, Adam ultimately blames God. You, you, It's that woman that you gave me. And then God goes to Eve. Well, it was the serpent. And then, of course, God goes to the serpent. And as the old joke says, the serpent didn't have a leg to stand on and goes right down the line. Thank you for the chuckle. All right. But watch this. Genesis chapter 3. Look at verse 20. Genesis 3.20. Now the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all the living. Verse 21, 
the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Greg's on to something. There is something about the fact that God intentionally sacrificed animals to cover the guilt and the sin of Adam and Eve. Can you, would, would you open your heart for just a minute here? Would you listen to me, please? The Lord is going to speak to you, okay? There are times in our lives when the Lord does things and he wants us to take notice. He wants us to pay attention to what he's doing. Think of it this way. He's setting an example. God sets an example for us. So here's the first thing I want you to do. I want you to understand that when we love, we sacrifice with a motive to cover. When we love, we sacrifice with a motive to cover. You don't have to be married to get that. You don't. You can be a child and get that. You can be a high schooler. You can be in college. You can be single. You do not have to be married to understand love at this level. The kind of love that God models for us is a love that is willing to sacrifice with a motive to cover. It's interesting, and I'm not sure who said it. I can't remember. That, that when the Lord confronts Cain, he says, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? It's not like God is chasing after Cain with a rock in his hand. God is actually showing grace. I want you to pay attention. This is interesting. After God announces, hey, don't you understand that you're, you can stop the poutiness if you just understand if you do well at following my example? Will, will you not be okay? Does the pouting not stop? But you need to understand that sin is crouching at the door. And its desire is to dominate you. Its its desire is for you. But you must master it. This is fascinating to me. Cain went and told his brother what God said. Cain went and told his brother. What did he say? What did he say? I'm not sure what he said. But whatever he said, he got even more angry. He became angrier. And that's when he rose up. And killed his brother. Do any of you ever misunderstand God's words? Anybody ever twist it? I think there's a lot of pulpits that twist scripture and say things. Maybe these preacher people have good motives. I don't know what their motives are. I wouldn't dare judge. But somehow things get, get lost in translation and get manipulated. Sometimes we humans can miss it. And we can be so so confident that we have heard from God, but when it results in the killing of somebody, we misheard. We, we didn't hear God right. We got it. We got it wrong. Does that make sense? Yes, Greg. I was thinking about something that you talked about in chapter four, and I think we look at Joseph a lot more. But this is the first case of sibling robbery. Yes. And technically, Cain was the firstborn. Yes. But maybe he got offended by God. Yeah. Abel was accepted. He's like, that's I was, I'm the firstborn. Yeah. So, yeah. so why didn't you accept me? Like, that's hypothetical, of course. Well, it, it is, Greg. But however, uh, uh, when when you see somebody pouting, 
And you know that behind that pout is anger. Behind that anger is some kind of unmet need. Like we think we deserve honor. We deserve respect. That's, that's typically the backstory. That's how our, our human brains work. All right. Turn to Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10. And I want you to see this concept that love sacrifices with a motive to cover. Look at this. Proverbs 10 verse 12. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all transgressions. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all transgressions. Hatred knows how to pick a fight. Hatred knows how to pick a fight. But love covers all transgressions. Turn to Proverbs 17. Proverbs 17. Look at verse 9. He who conceals a transgression seeks love. He who repeats a matter separates intimate friends. Can I say the obvious? Gossip and slander destroy. Gossip and slander destroy relationship. Love sacrifices and seeks to cover. Love sacrifices and seeks to cover. Turn now to James chapter 5. I want you to see this. James chapter 5. James, the brother of Jesus, the blood brother of Jesus. Think about this. James finally had to come to the point in his life where he had to accept his brother as his Lord and Savior. There's a little bit of a jump there, right? When you accept your brother as your Lord and Savior. It happened, though. He wasn't one of the 12 apostles. He wasn't one of the original disciples. But later on, he realized that his brother was, in fact, the Messiah. James learned these things. And look what he says. Verse 19, 519 of James. My brother's by implication, my sisters, if any among you strays from the truth and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Love sacrifices and love has a motive of covering sin. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. Look at this one. 1 Peter chapter 4. I want you to look at verse 7. 1 Peter 4, 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment. Be sober in spirit for the purpose of prayer. But above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Do you think... Do you think Peter, it's interesting that it's the Apostle Peter that grabs Proverbs 10, 12, that love covers. It's Peter. Do you, think, do you think Peter committed the big bad sin? Do you think? The really nasty one, you know? Don't, don't comment, <laughs> but we all have a list of sins in our minds, don't we? The ones that are, bear with my rhetoric, please don't misunderstand the almost respectable sins. You know, like tolerable, you know, not so bad, like the little white lie, you know, no big deal. We all struggle. Little, little salty words in our vocabulary that we can push, you know, eh, that's on the not so bad list. But then we've got the, ooh, 
they're really bad list. And you commit one of those, the, the big nasties, ooh, life as we know it is over. <laughs> Boy, Peter, three times denied Jesus Christ. Peter, the man that walked on water. Peter, um, th- that was in on miracles that are, that are unthinkable miracles. The dead coming back to life, the blind seeing, the crippled being raised, being on top of a mountain and seeing Jesus transfigured and his countenance like the sun shining at noon. Peter saw all that, heard all the teachings. And Peter swears, meaning he makes a vow, a legal oath. I don't even know this man. Boy, he did one of the big nasty. And yet Jesus restored him. Peter experienced that love covers a multitude of sins. Sometimes God quietly sets an example and he wants us to follow. Sometimes God quietly sets an example and he wants us to follow. Kind of like sacrificing an animal to cover Adam and Eve, to cover shame. I think that has everything to do with what happened with Cain and Abel. Turn to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. Look at verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, he got up from supper and laid aside his garments and taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. And he came to Simon Peter, the man that betrayed him, who committed the big nasty. And he said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I do you do not realize now. But you will understand later. You'll understand hereafter. Sometimes God does things. And if we're not paying attention, we miss the example. Verse 12. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is the one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you're blessed if you do that. So we have two life-changing ideas. Love sacrifices and covers. And love serves. Love sacrifices to cover and love serves. It's not about emotions. It's not about a perpetual Hallmark movie that just keeps cycling the same idea. Love sacrifices to cover and love serves. You are 
the gifted body of Christ. We have, we have people here who are prophets, discerners, teachers, people who serve and quietly take care of things and, and do breakfast and empty the trash cans and everything in between. You are the gifted body of Christ. What if we as individuals, we as a church, understood the example that both God set and Jesus set, that love sacrifices and covers, and love serves, and we live that out. What difference would it make in our lives as individuals, as children, as parents, as married people, as employers, employees, as the church, to walk out the teaching, love covers, love serves. You are the church. Own this. How do we live? Frank, thank you. Did you hear grace in Frank's words? Did you hear grace? Do you understand that sometimes one of the best weapons that the enemy has against us is shame? Did you know that? That we've committed the big nasty and it's so bad, there's so much shame that is absolutely separates us from God and there's no way of restoration. There's, it's hopeless. Boy, Satan can create shame, and when he creates shame, he creates hopelessness, and it's over. It's all smoke and flames. It's a mess. Look at what Peter did. Look at how Satan, Peter had, the, had Satan, you know, on his heels, guiding him down this horrible, dark, dark place. And yet look at the restoration. Look at the grace that love covers Love restores. Love serves. Someone else, how do we live this out? Why does it matter? No one. This is something I've been noticing a lot lately. Um, it's just how, like, it's really easy for us to look at all these big picture things about being a Christian and ways that we want to, like, grow and walk and stuff like that. But I feel like the consistency of forgiveness and loving people is often forgotten. And I've seen it a lot in, in like, workplaces and places where you have somebody of, leadership over you yeah. where people either don't know what to like talk about so they end up complaining and then you don't know what else so you're like oh yeah you kind of pitch in and then even if you're not mad but that leads to seeds of legitimate bitterness that wouldn't have been there had you not chipped in yeah. and it's just not a constant walking in forgiveness um, yeah. that just sets you down a, a path that's not helpful. yeah that's so good David with us doing the reading there, I thought it was amazing that we were, that the Bible actually cross-referenced another verse. 1 Corinthians 14, 3. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. 
It is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek on its own. It is not loved. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Hmm. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Hmm. And isn't that... Do you see service in that? Do you see covering in that? You do, don't you? Isn't that beautiful? Someone else. It either is the official man-haters club that does exist, just like the official woman-hater club. They, they've got one too, okay? Yeah. And it, it, again, listen to Proverbs seventeen nine: He or she who conceals a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates intimate friends. Yeah. Sometimes we need to be quiet. Okay. Yeah, Andrea. Yes, thank you, Andrea. If we could kind of get a bigger picture, it's going to be something like this. When you read all of Genesis 3, do you see like serious, intense accountability and intense responsibility in that chapter? Doesn't God hold Adam and Eve accountable? There's a kind of reckoning. Do you see that? The serpent, there's a kind of reckoning there. Boy, it's intense, right? But even on the heels of all that, there is forgiveness and there is covering. So when we love and we cover, it's not, that, it's not that we're being irresponsible. It's that we believe. You ready? You ready for some? <laughs> wow. You ready for this Christ church? When you truly love someone, there's a point in which you realize it's more important Andrew, to be effective than it is to be right. Does that sound familiar, Marshall Anne? It's more important to be effective than it is to be right. And if you're the kind of person with a moral Excel spreadsheet-shaped brain, it's going to be real hard to get along with you. Do you know that? 
Because when you crunch the numbers, they're always going to be in your favor. You will always take the moral high ground. Always. And in doing that, you can sacrifice a relationship. Genuine love has the capacity for forgiveness, has the capacity for restoration, and has the capacity to cover. It's really unhealthy in a marriage or a parent-child relationship or anything when all you're good at doing is bringing up the past and you dig up a sin that was forgiven last year or a sin that was forgiven 10 years ago or five years ago. You get the idea. When we are really good at being historic and bringing up the trauma timeline and weaponizing that, we are not walking with Jesus. Love covers, love serves. Okay. Uh, we're, we're, it's running late. Um, I, want, I want you all to, to just bow. Okay, let's bow and pray. Um, I don't want any hand raises. I don't want heads up. I don't want eyes open looking around. I want you to kind of look really deep inside. And I want you to think, that, think about this story. Uh, there's a woman who probably lost her mother and father to death. Uh, This woman is also in all likelihood divorced. She's shamed, she's marginalized, and she is known in Jerusalem as a prostitute. She does that because she's trying to survive. She doesn't have a kin group that she can attach to to be able to have something to eat and a place to stay. And so she's marginalized and and takes the option of prostitution to, to try to survive. The Pharisees know that. And so she's easy bait. They set up a situation probably where there's a younger disciple of a Pharisee who's been hired to go and, and, and contact her to meet with her privately to be serviced. And in that moment, there's a setup. Key Pharisees come. There's an arrest. They drag this woman out in public and present her to Jesus to adjudicate this case, which is going to be stoning. It is absolutely fascinating that the man is nowhere mentioned in the story. This is a total setup that the Pharisees broke. It's a sting operation, and they're going to do everything they can to catch Jesus. That's what their motive is. It's a sting operation. Okay. In case you, you need verification, in Deuteronomy, it's very, very clear in Leviticus as well that the guy should have been brought before the council, not just the girl. There's the scene. Jesus says, I'll tell you what. The person here who has never sinned, I want you to cast the stone first. And there's a long, awkward pause. And then finally, it's the older men, the older rabbis, who realize what Jesus has just done and taught them that love covers and love serves. And they drop their stone and they walk away. Jesus says to the woman, woman, where are your your accusers? She looks and she says, there are none. And he says, I don't condemn you either. Love covers. I don't condemn you either. And then he says, Go and sin no more. 
Stop engaging in the behaviors that damage your life. Stop engaging in the beliefs that damage your life. Love covers. Love serves. Okay? If you have never sinned and you think you have the moral right to to throw the stone, you've got some issues on the inside that, that you need to talk to a professional about, okay? But if you realize that you've sinned too, it's really healthy to understand that Jesus said, treat others the way you want to be treated. If you want people to throw stones at you, <laughs> okay, it's going to be a long day. It's going to be a hard day. Because love, the real stuff, covers. And love, the real stuff, serves. So maybe you need to, to, to go to the throne and seek forgiveness for something that's eating at you or something that, that, that someone else has done to you. Can we just deal with this stuff right now? Let's just, get, let's just kind of get quiet. Father, we can't we can't even come close to getting the right words to say thank you for your love and your forgiveness. <coughs> we, we can try. You know our hearts. You're not surprised by the stuff behind our eyeballs that nobody knows about. Thank you that love covers and that you love us and it's your heart to cover and that you sent your son Jesus as the lamb that takes away the sin of the world, a sacrifice that covers. It is through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that our transgressions are forgiven, our trespasses have been removed far from us and the certificate the document of decrees against us of all the wrongs we have done have been nailed to the cross of your son, Jesus. And we say thank you. Abba, Father, anybody here that has never known that kind of love and doesn't, doesn't believe they're worthy, would you help them to see that turning to you to be born again is the most incredible decision they will ever make. Would you please draw them to you? Please, to know you as Lord and Savior, please. Father, for the person that's in the bondage of shame, you are a chain breaker. You destroy shame. You set free. Open up their hearts to your love that covers, your love that serves. Please. You are still in love with us. And I am grateful, and we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna try to sing songs that that say thank you. And I ask you to anoint our worship.
In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.